lawyer by training, writer and teacher by choice. Originally from New York, I am a proud wife and mother living in Los Angeles. Join me as we delve into the Holy Torah's teachings and apply them to our lives. I keep it short and sweet, but always deep. Welcome. Hi everyone, welcome back. So this week I would like to tap into the energy of the Jewish calendar. And we're entering a period known as the three weeks, which starts on the 17th of Tammuz, which is a half fast day, and culminates in Tisha B'Av in three weeks from now. Tisha B'Av is a full fast. It's one of the most serious fasts aside from Yom Kippur. And it's this period is the period of mourning on the Jewish calendar, which can be very dark and heavy. But I would like to share some teachings which will make it feel really um, almost positive and constructive and also relevant for our lives. So I never knew what Tisha B'Av was. <laughs> I had never really even heard of the base Hamigdash, the temple. So I want to give some brief, brief history here. So during this period, we're actually mourning the destruction of the temple, the base Hamigdash. And this is why Orthodox Jews will refer to places of prayer as shul or synagogue, but never temple, because we don't have a temple anymore. And so that word temple is referred to the base Hamigdash in Israel, specifically Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where... Today, we can go to the Western Wall. What is the Western Wall, the Kotel? It was a Western retaining wall of the Second Temple. So our holiest site today is a mere remnant of the former glory of the Temple that we once had. And what was so special about the Temple? What are we really mourning here? So the Temple was literally God's dwelling place in the physical world. It was where the Divine Presence was most manifest, and it was the ultimate place to connect to Hashem. If you wanted to hang out with Hashem, that was where you went. <laughs> um, and so we're really mourning this, this lack of Hashem's presence in this world, the fact that we no longer made him feel comfortable here, and we no longer were able to give him a dwelling place in the physical world. So very briefly, the first temple was built by King Solomon, and it was destroyed about 400 years later by the Babylonians by Nebuchadnezzar. And the spiritual reason behind this was because the Jewish people practice idolatry, sexual immorality, and murder, which is pretty bad. <laughs> and the 17th of Tammuz is actually the day when the city walls were breached. That's the half-fast day that marks the, the start of the three weeks of mourning. And the Persian Empire overtook the Babylonians, and eventually, under Persian rule, the Jews were able to rebuild the Second Temple. The Second Temple lasted for also around 400 years, during which the Jews were subject to foreign rule the entire time, first under the Persians, then the Greeks, and then the Romans. And it was the Romans who destroyed the Second Temple, and the spiritual reason this time was that the Jews showed baseless hatred toward each other, which is an interesting point in another class in and of itself. So both temples were destroyed on Tisha B'Av, the ninth of the Hebrew month of Av. And actually, this day in history, the 9th of Av, there were many bad things that happened to the Jewish people. In 1290 CE on this day, the Jews were expelled from England. In 1492, the Jews were kicked out of Spain during the Inquisition. Germany declared war on Russia, igniting World War I on Tisha B'Av, which many believe was the root cause of World War II and the Holocaust. So what is the source for Tisha B'Av being such a, a day of destruction for the Jewish people? It goes back to the sin of the spies, which we spoke about in the episode on the good eye, I believe. 
So as I briefly, the spies um, went into Israel to check out the land when the, when the Jewish people were in the desert. And Hashem had told them, I'm going to take you into the land of Israel, the land that I promised you. And the spies said, we need to go check it out for ourselves. And they didn't really want to go into the land. So they came back with negative reports to the people, which were really false. Because, of course, if Hashem told them, I'm going to take you into the land, he was going to help them conquer the land. But what happened? The women had faith. <laughs> go women. The women always have Amuna in Jewish history. And it's our Amuna actually, that will, that will merit our redemption, God willing. But the women had faith that Hashem was going to take them in. But the men were, became afraid and they cried all night. And Hashem said, because you are wasting tears on this night, this is going to be a day in history in which you will cry real tears. So the Nesivo Shalom, the Slanomer Rebbe, Rabbi Shalom Noach Berezovsky, Zatzal, he passed away, but he lived in the last century. He was a great Hasidic Rebbe, and he asked a great question. He says, what is the real point in this? Like, why are we crying over the temple? Is there something constructive here? Or are we just crying over the past? And he answers that we're really not just dwelling on the past, but that the mourning we're doing during this time is actually forward-looking and productive. And he's going to tell us how. He says a very a good principle to keep in mind, that the Jewish people don't just commemorate a historical event for its own sake. We do so if there's a concrete ramification for the present and the future. And this actually reminds me of the Poland trip I took in, in law school. One of the biggest points of the trip was not just kind of like seeing... The, seeing the remnants of the Holocaust with our with our own eyes, but what? But the point was, what am I going to take out of this? How how is seeing what happened to our people going to impact my life going forward? What am I going to take out of this? So, as the Rebbe details the aspects of the mourning we're going to undertake during these three weeks, we can understand how it's not only productive but also relevant to our lives. So, one way that the mourning of the temple is productive is because the focus is on repentance. The Nesivo Shalom says that we're seeking to rectify the spiritual causes of the destruction of the temple so that the temple can be restored. We believe that when Mashiach comes, a third and final temple will be rebuilt. So we're working toward that. Obviously, Hashem can give us a temple anytime. It's up to us to earn it. So, for example, we can work on remedying baseless hatred by focusing on feeling unity with the Jewish people, which is actually extremely important. Um, The temple... The Nesiva Shalom says that the temple is actually physically predicated on our unity and that when the second temple was destroyed, it wasn't even so much as a punishment as a necessary um, consequence of the fact that a result of the fact that the Jewish people were no longer unified at that time. So Hashem had to take away the temple, which is pretty crazy. And the Nesiva Shalom says that through repentance, we're actually coming closer to Hashem. So the mourning process is bringing us closer to Hashem. And we can see this in the in the Hebrew meaning of the word repentance, teshuva, which means to return. Through this process of mourning, we are returning closer to Hashem. And he is going to explain how. He says that the mourning entails a refusal to resign ourselves to the loss of the temple. He says, when the temple stood, it provided the Jewish people with a godly light, which elevated and sustained the entire nation. And the greatest tragedy, he says, from a spiritual standpoint, would be if the Jewish people were to resign themselves to a life without the temple. So this is a big one. I'll never forget the quote by my teacher from seminary, Rabbi Daniel Katz, that we are mourning on Tisha B'Av because we don't even know why we are in mourning. And I think this speaks to so many Jews that are so assimilated today in Western culture that they don't even realize we're in exile. They don't even realize that we're trying to get back to Israel, that there's a temple that needs to be rebuilt. 
this is how deep in exile we are. But I think also even even religious Jews, as we can become so comfortable in our lifestyle here in America or wherever we live, and so used to our normalcy that that we kind of become complacent, um, we become resigned, and and this morning during this time is meant to wake us up out of that. Rabbi Graydon, my rabbi here in Los Angeles, gives gives an example of what it means to be a Jew in exile, and he gives an example of of a lion in a zoo. And he says, just like a lion in a cage might not realize that his true purpose is to be king of the jungle, so to speak, and he could be living in a, in a huge ecosystem where he's at the top of the chain, but he thinks it's normal to live in a cage and have someone bring him his food. So too, as Jews, our natural ecosystem, so to speak, is in Israel with the temple. And we become so um, used to living in exile, being sprung across the world through the diaspora, that we think this is a normal way for a Jew to live, but it's not. I understand, you know, that in our generation, it's so hard to relate to this. You know, it's hard for me to relate to this. We've never lived with a temple, and we've never had the, the like, Devekis, the, the experience of truly connecting to Hashem on such a deep level that the temple provided to really be able to mourn, like, what we're missing. But the thing is, is that we need to yearn over the loss of the temple and the godly light it provides. We need to realize that we're missing that, and we need to yearn, even though it's so hard, we need to try. This is what this time is about, and that's why we have all the laws surrounding um, the restrictions during this time so that we can get more into this headspace. And what's amazing about this and, and why it is so productive, the Nesiva Shalom explains, is that through crying over the loss of the temple and over the loss of closeness to Hashem actually ignites the process of rebuilding the temple. And I realized when I was reading this that it could be that crying over the loss of the temple is really a rect- rectification of the wasted tears in the desert that triggered the first Tisha B'Av. Because now that the tears of yearning and closeness to Hashem are productive. So they kind of rectify the tears that we wasted um, back then. And then Nesivo Shalom says that it, it really just requires a pure will and longing of the heart. It doesn't even require words. He says words kind of limit prayer. But he, he brings us down from the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidus, that pure will and longing from the heart is actually the highest form of prayer and can reach the highest heavens. So how can we yearn? You know, this is such a big question, and it's so difficult, and I find this so difficult every year. <laughs> um, so one of my teachers, Yehuda Skolshevsky, says that now we're in the time of the footsteps of Mashiach. Um, on the, we're on the heels of Mashiach, meaning that Mashiach, the Redeemer, is, is around the corner. And we know this because we know that the span of history is about 6,000 years, and we are at the tail end of that. So it's inevitable that the, that the Mashiach is going to come. He, we, could, we could merit to have him come earlier, but it's inevitable he's going to come at some point soon. And so because we're in this point of history, she said we, like, we resemble a heel on the body. And a heel, if you think about it, is like one of the numbest parts of the body. So we're a very numb generation in a lot of ways, and um, I find that the best way to tap into yearning, at least for myself, is to make it personal. So my husband and I really want to go to Israel. We want to spend time there to learn, and we're trying to make this happen. But because of Corona, we're obviously it's obviously just really difficult to get there now. And so for me personally, I plan to kind of tap into that yearning and, and wanting to be in Israel now and learning Torah and, and working on my relationship with, with Hashem and, and feeling like I'm not able to do that, for me, will kind of invoke that sadness and yearning. And maybe there's something in your own life, some sort of 
um, disappointment you have or something you're yearning for that you can kind of channel that emotional energy. I think this is a this is a great idea that that one of my teachers once told me that I want to share is that we can, sometimes when we feel like we can't even yearn, we can yearn to yearn. We can want to want the rebuilding of the temple. We could want to want a closer connection to Hashem. That in itself is a level and something that we can pray for. And then Nesivo Shalom says that through this repenting and yearning, that the three weeks actually provides a unique opportunity to connect to Hashem. And he quotes the holy Magid of Mezrich, Zatzal, a Hasidic master, who said that those who have been unable to attach themselves to Hashem throughout the year have a much better opportunity to do so during this particular time period. And it seems counterintuitive, like a time when we're mourning and we're supposed to feel sad, but if you think about it, we're, we're sad over the fact that our temple was destroyed and we're not as close to Hashem as we could be. We're yearning and longing for the restoration of the temple and the return of Hashem's presence. And that in and of itself draws us close to Hashem and actually starts the process of rebuilding of the temple, as, as the Nesiv Shalom said. So two, two ways I suggest trying to draw close to Hashem is, number one, we can talk to Hashem in our own words at any time of day. And number two, we can begin to see his hand in our lives. I found that these two practices really help me feel closer to Hashem. So I want to I bring down how, how this time of the three weeks is really relevant to us. And the Nesiva Shalom says something so beautiful. He says that the three weeks culminating in Tisha B'Av represents the darkness that precedes the light. And he, he talks about how a seed begins to decay right before it regenerates and sprouts. And he says, Tisha B'Av may be considered the low point of the year, but it is the darkness that precedes the light. And we know this because it's, it's actually said in the Torah that Mashiach will be born on Tisha B'Av. So the light of redemption is already embedded in this day. And it's actually a day where darkness turns into light. And the Nesiv Shalom says that on both a national and a personal level, a, dis, a spiritual descent is sometimes necessary for our ultimate spiritual ascent. And this is the point I want to talk about for a minute. The Nesivo Shalom gives the example of the Jews in Egypt. You know, we were slaves in Egypt, which was considered the most hedonistic, morally based culture in the world at that time. And the Jews were obviously, we were influenced by our environment, as we always are. And so the Torah tells us that the Jews, we sunk to the 49th level of Tuma of impurity. And it was at that time, at that moment, when we couldn't possibly sink any lower, that Hashem decided to redeem us. And took us out and we had this big spiritual ascent where we actually were taken out of Egypt through the sea, brought to Mount Sinai, given the Torah, had a mass relation with Hashem. So for us as a nation and in our inception, we had a spiritual descent which led to ascent. So too, the Nesiv Shalom says, this idea of descent for the sake of ascent is, is true in our own personal lives. And I could speak to this. He quotes such a beautiful quote from the sages. Had I not sat in the darkness, there would not have been light for me. And I feel this so deeply. When I was a senior in high school, I was always a good student, but when I was a senior in high school, I just kind of rebelled. <laughs> I had a bad case of senioritis. I had gotten accepted into my school of choice. I was done. Um, I was bored. I was just kind of looking to have a good time. And, you know, I was doing what, what high school kids in public school are doing in their senior year. And I went on a spring break trip to the Bahamas. And I'll never forget, this is actually the opening scene of my book, God Willing, which is going to come out soon, the series that was in Ami Living, Princess Without a Crown. But I'll never forget that morning. I woke up in the Bahamas, in, in the bed, and all my roommates had already gone out to the beach. 
and I was shaking. And I felt so physically sick, but also just just sick and tired in general, disgusted at myself. I, I was so sick of like the hedonistic life that I had been living, so self-absorbed. Um, and I just saw that like it was a never-ending cycle, like chasing pleasure. Just it wasn't the answer. And as I was sitting there, or lying there in bed, I kept singing to myself over and over lyrics from the song King Without a Crown by Matis Yahoo, for those who are familiar. Um, it's where the title of my series and my book comes from, Princess Without a Crown, based on the song King Without a Crown. And I'm just going to read briefly, um, or rap rather, some of the lyrics. If your cups are ready full, then it's bound to overflow. If you're drowning in the waters and you can't stay afloat, ask Hashem for mercy and he'll throw you a rope. You're looking for help from God. You say he couldn't be found, looking up to the sky and searching beneath the ground like a king without his crown. So I was really calling out to Hashem for help, like on a very subconscious level. I point to that, that scene that morning in the Bahamas as kind of like my turnaround point where I... I was like reaching out to Hashem in a very subconscious way, and it took it took a long time before I really began to reconnect. But that was the starting point. And then Siva Shalom says that a fall need not be a cause for discouragement. On the contrary, from the darkness, a great light may may shine forth. And I really feel this. Like I I had to get to my own rock bottom. You know what was my rock bottom in order to then begin real growth and a real spiritual journey. Um, and even even on a smaller scale, you know, in day to day mistakes, sometimes it takes making certain mistakes to really learn from them and to do better in the future. So a lot of times we do have to kind of have these these spiritual falls in order to ultimately rise higher. And I think this is such a such an encouraging message and such a beautiful, positive message for this this time that we're entering now, which can be a very dark and heavy time. And along those lines, we're now in a time called, as I said, the footsteps of Mashiach. And the Nesivo Shalom says that our sages warn us that this will be a time fraught with decline and frightful circumstances, which <laughs> I don't think I need to elaborate on because we are experiencing them firsthand. Um, nonetheless, he says, it's crucial to bear in mind that this is not a cause for despair. After all, the period is called footsteps of Mashiach for a reason. The obvious implication is that Mashiach's arrival is imminent. Just to give you a little taste of what it would be like when Mashiach comes, not that I know, I'm basing it on our Torah sources, what, what our sages tell us, that well, the third temple will be rebuilt. So we'll have God's, God's presence will dwell in the physical world once again in its full glory. And so we'll have more direct connection with Hashem. But not just that, the whole world will recognize Hashem. And the Jewish people will dwell peacefully with our neighbors. <laughs> it's hard to imagine, but um, the nations will dwell peacefully with each other, which is this, this reality is such a great light. It's, it's something we, can, we can't even fully relate to, but something that we can start to yearn for. So I want to sum up that the Nesivo Shalom is saying that the mourning performs over the destruction of the temple during these three weeks is actually a force of elevation and growth. And through crying over our current state and yearning for closeness to Hashem, we can actually set the wheels of redemption into motion. And on a personal level, no matter where we find ourselves, even in the darkest place, we can actually begin to draw close to Hashem, especially during this time. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast. And I would love if you shared with your family and friends and wrote a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. Take care.